What up, everybody? This your boy, B-Rob, and I would like to welcome you to the Delvin Cox Experience. Oh, yeah. Just sit back, relax, take a dick up your ass. In Moonlight, black girls turn blue. One, two, Diversity. I'm your host, Delvin Cox, and this week I have a special guest. If you listen to the intro of this podcast this week, there's a different song there. There's a reason for that. My boy B-Rob hooked me up with somebody who's great, somebody who makes some dope-ass music, to say the least. My boy, Sir John Lee's on the podcast. How you doing, brother? And I'm good. Thank you. Thank you. That was a dope-ass intro. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, brother. No problem. As always... We like to start the podcast off with the five for five. Five questions, five answers. John, are you ready? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Question number one. What is the best album or song you listened to this past year? And it does not have to be new. Uh, this past year. Um, wait, because there's like four or five albums that's just on repeat for me. Okay. No. Uh, well, People you know can- what? I'm going to just go with some Pippa Butterfly because that's what I was listening to all last week. Oh, so you're definitely ha- happy and hyped for that new Kendrick coming out soon. Oh, hell yeah, man. Like, that's... Man. I've been like, man, like, where, where am I going to get the inspiration from? Like, who, who who's, who's like... Besides Drake, you know? Like, it, uh, on that level, a push, of course. It's, but, not, it's not too many. It's kind of like rare air. Yeah. Yeah, so like... And we being from the same hometown, you know, that's yeah. home team. <laughs> that's like, you. you know, that's the king right there. He the, he the guy. He represent us, you know. So definitely, I'm, I'm excited anytime he drops. Question number two. If you could be in a cypher with any five rappers, who are you going to be in the cypher with? Okay, so it's gonna be Cameron. Oh yeah, and like, I like that. Oh, Killer Cam, Killer Cam. Um, it's gonna have to be throw Pusha T in there. Okay. Throw um, throw for real in there. Like, okay, I like that. I know he a producer, but like when he was getting busy, he was getting busy. Um, throw. Let's see. So Cam push for real. 
Um, let me see. Hmm. Nah, not 50. Not Banks. Nah. Let me see. It, okay. Yeah, 50. Why not? Let's throw okay. 50. That's I know he's not, not the, you know, lyrical miracle guy, but. Um, and then let's throw. People gonna be mad at me, but I don't give a fuck. I like the nigga's voice. Like he got a good, good ass. Voice. Can I curse on here? I'm sorry. Yeah, you do that. Do you think? He got a good ass voice, Jack Harlow. I I just wanna. That, that's an interesting cipher. I I like that. I like the contrast of different styles there. People don't remember that Killer Cam was a beast in ciphers, man. Man, them. Rap City Basements, the Counting the Money, not even that one. The uh, the the other one we had, the Gucci bucket hat. Yes. And the, the, the velour jacket, jumpsuit. I I remember vividly. Oh, this showing my age a little bit, but seeing like videos and hearing mixtapes of him and Cyphers with Big L, and like, yeah, this dude. It's nice. And like hearing like the, the old kill children of the corn tracks and stuff like that with him, him, Mason, Big L, like, yeah. That's when he was hyper too. Yes. Yeah. And People don't know about energetic cam. <laughs> yeah. Hearing him back then and hearing him now is very interesting. It's kind of like watching somebody who's like, like watching a, I guess you could say like watching a diamond get polished. Like he started out raw and orthodox kind of style. And then he kind of developed it like more to be more commercially appealing. But it's still Killer Cam. It's still Cameron. Yeah. I like Cameron. I know people give him flag, but I like Cameron for who he is. Yeah, man. He's in my top five, hands down. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah, he not like making Purple Haze and come home with me and all that no more. But and, and even to this day, like, if you really pay attention to like what he's doing, with the way he's just riding and swaying and just storytelling, like the dude is just one of the sharpest and like witty. He's like Larry David to me. Like, yeah, he, that makes he, sense. Like he's just so funny and witty. It's it's incredible. I love Killer Cam. That's one of the uh, rappers I studied like to a T. Like I studied him. I like it. So, question number three: What is the dumbest thing you think you've ever done as a kid? Oh, okay. I got the. That's funny. Um, I remember I was. I, I'm heavy into comic books as a kid. Still am today. Now, not as heavy. I don't buy every day. But when I was like, let's see, it's like in the in between nine and thirteen. So one day I was like, man, I really want to get superpowers. I really, really, really want to get superpowers. And I think, uh, you know. All the black characters had electricity, <laughs> electricity powers. This is true. So, so, all uh, of them. Yeah, all of them. Uh, so what I did is I took a, I was just playing. I had a paper clip and I was sticking it into the socket. Nothing happened, nothing happened. And then like, I forgot what I did. I think I connected a wire to it. Like, cause we had like a, a blow dryer that's old, but for, you know, black people, we don't throw nothing away. Facts. Nobody's using it, but, you know, the cord was, because we, I don't know, this is some other black shit. We, like, when you, like, something don't work no more, you cut off the cord. So we, 
<laughs> yes. so, <laughs> so yeah, that was still there. So I had the the uh the like the extra copper wires that was coming out of the the like the black part. I put it on the pair paper clip, stuck it in, and it just like it was like a little sparkle exposure, like and then um luckily nothing happened to me. Yeah. But yeah, but what the, the funny part is I walked by a TV and the TV shut off and I was like, Yes, I got superpowers. Oh <laughs> yeah. like but and I was trying to turn all kind of stuff off, like just you know, like just stupid kids, just dumb. I could have died like easily. Yeah. Like, Usually that. the superpower is death that comes with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Is, that is kind of wild. You're like, let me just stick stick random stuff inside of a, a socket. Maybe I'll get superpowers because all the black heroes have lightning powers. So yeah, because yeah, they was replaying Super Friends heavy on the uh the Cartoon Network block, you know, the Hanna Bar- Barbera back in the day before they start making original shows. They, yes. they would just play all the old Hanna Barbera uh shows and like I was just watching that and the uh it wasn't Static Shock yet. It was like some other guy, Black Lightning. I think it was Black, Black Lightning. Bolt. Black Bolt. Black Bolt. Yeah, in the in the Super Friends. And I was like, oh, he tight. He got yeah, like. He, he was supposed to be Black Lightning, but something happened, and they just made it. Okay, we'll just make you Black Bolt. I'm like, all right, come on, fam. Super Friends has some wild characters, like Apache Chief. I'm like, you can't make Apache Chief right now. I remember him. <laughs> I remember all that cringe. That was a very cringe show. Definitely. It was. All right. Question number four. I've asked this question on a couple of few other podcast episodes, so I think I should ask you this question. If there, and it's, it's kind of tied to what we were just talking about. There's an all-out battle between everybody in Cartoon Network and everybody in Disney. Who wins? So Disney versus Cartoon Network, and you can add, like I said, everybody's there. Like you can, Cartoon Network has Adult Swim, they have Toonami, they have everybody, and Disney has everybody. They have Star Wars, they have Marvel, anything Disney owned. They have The Simpsons, they have all the Fox shows. So so should this just be Warner Brothers versus Disney then? Or? I, I wouldn't say Warner Brothers because, like I said, it's literally Cartoon Network. But also oh, just the cartoon, cartoon, just car- cartoon, everything that's on Cartoon Network, which I think is more than enough when you think yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Versus versus everything that's on Disney. You're right. So who who's winning? Yeah, who's winning? Oh uh, man, that's hard. Because when you think about it, Cartoon Network characters are like wildly overpowered. Yes, you don't notice it. Is like because Ed, Ed, and Eddie, they service some people. Curse Calorie Dog, his whole universe yes. service some people. You got uh, Scooby Doo and his yeah. folks. I don't know if people reading the new comics and stuff. It's, it's pretty heavy now. Because uh, the easy answer is to say Disney, but you just got to really pick. You got Justice League, you got Young Justice, you got Teen Titans. Yeah. You getting into it? I like I like to think it so far. Damn, that's kind of hard. Like, let me see who has the best overpowered character. Let me try to find one overpowered. Okay, Dark Side 
And who's who's gonna be Thanos? So Thanos. Oh, Cartoon Network's winning because Dark. Oh wait, but he's not introduced in Cartoon Network world in the Cartoon Network universe. I was about to think of uh, Doctor Manhattan, but he's just comics. But yeah, he's uh, not. He's not in Cartoon Network. He's. But Dark Side is serving Thanos. If well, think, let me put this caveat: Thanos has the stones in the in the um, Disney universe, like it. In the Avengers movie, he had the stones, and he was also in the Avengers cartoon show and the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon show, which in which both he had the stones in both of them. So, is Thanos with the stones? That, but here's the thing that people don't understand about Darkseid: he he uh, he exists outside of reality in our universe. That's in, true. In the universe, so like what we see is a proxy of him and not really him. So the in theory. This is some really nerdy shit. I know. I know. I, I, I don't I'm aware care. of all this. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. In theory, the, the, the Infinity Stones ain't working on Dark Side. That's a good point. That is a good point. So, like, that's why I said Dark Side, he gets because he's a god technically. Would would he be the most powerful in that universe? Because I, I I would think that uh Goku's there. Oh, he, oh sh yeah, Goku. Because like I said, Toonami is the Dragon Ball universe. I forgot Toonami. Oh, not... Nah, see, Cartoon Network got it. Because they just overpowered for no reason. They're yeah, you got, you got, overpowered. You got the Dragon Ball universe on their side. Then you got the Star Wars universe that has all the damn wizards and stuff. Yeah, but you don't think Goku is serving Darth Vader? You don't think Vegeta, like... I don't, see, I don't know. Or Barrett popping up out of nowhere, like... Cause there's so much stuff in like on the Disney side of things that I don't know if I can call it, I can be aware of that can be stopped. Like even like Genie from Aladdin. Like the Genie has technically oh, speaking has yeah. infinite the Genie from Aladdin technically speaking has infinite power. <laughs> and, That's true. But then there's the Dragon Balls. <laughs> so it's like, come on, like what what are we doing? It's it's a lot. Like God. Then they just have so many random characters that are Super overpowered that you just think about, like, damn, that character is really overpowered. Like the witch from uh, Sleeping Beauty who could turn into a dragon and stuff like that. Oh yeah, and then and then on keep going on the witch train. Scarlet Witch ain't no joke either. Yeah, and then oh, and then Doctor Strange, and then you got Mephisto. Mephisto, yeah. Then you got all because uh, all these were in like Marvel cartoon shows that was on that on Disney Plus. Then you got like weird characters like Darkwing Duck. In his oh, universe. Oh, yeah, him going up against Batman would be funny. That would be great. Uh, gee, I man, I just want to answer. I, 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 I'm okay with the Cartoon Network answer. I think. Yeah. I wouldn't be mad if you picked either one of them. If you picked Disney, I wouldn't be mad if you picked Cartoon Network because I think it's almost even a toss up because there's so many things, so many different X factors. Like God, I didn't even realize this was the thing that you have to worry about. Like Big Hero Six is right there. Then you got the Toy Story characters, and then you got like so much random stuff. Like, uh. oh man, yeah, that's a really. I'm I'm just going off face value Cartoon Network because I'm just wrecking because like I read way more DC comics than Marvel, but I watch more Marvel movies. But the cartoons I grew up on, so like they have a little more weight in the Disney, but Disney is cold though. Yeah. Disney's code. Don't wait. Doesn't. Who owns Bruce Almighty? 
That's a good question. I want to say Miramax. And does is Miramax one Miramax a part of? Yeah. One of Fox or was it Warner? I can't remember. Damn. See, that's a really great, great question. I didn't even think about that. Uh, let's see. I'm looking it up now. Shoot, it's Universal Pictures, but it was no okay. Border Vista International, which is Disney. Yeah. So I don't know. Disney a problem. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like there's so much stuff on Disney that we just even forget about that's just ridiculous. Like, why is this a thing? Yeah, that's like you gotta kinda flip a coin on that one. That one's too hard. Yeah. Cause we could go because if you were to go like even just straight Warner Brothers versus Disney, it'd still be the same. We'll still be puzzled. Yeah, I agree. All right. The last question for the five for five, and I think this is a good one for you. Zombie apocalypse happens walking dead style. You're going to take five things to go out in the world and survive with. What are the five things you're taking with you? Family and pets don't count. They automatically come with you. Okay, so I got to have my my asthma medication. That's one. Okay, that's important. Mad batteries. Okay. Um, a fit my field recorder. That's field gonna recorder. come handy because uh, it has some like features on it that's gonna be useful later on. Okay. Uh, that's three. A pot, a big pot, like a boil water. Okay, that's four. And a knife or something sharp. Okay, that's fine. That's a solid five. You know, I should have put a first aid kit in that, but never mind. We're gonna learn. We're gonna some, <laughs> let's, let's hope somebody else in the family got that. Okay. So man, you've been well one, you've been friends with B Rob for a good minute. B Rob's a good dude. Oh, that's yeah. my boy. That's, that's my homie, man. <laughs> he was like, uh, you should interview this young brother. I'm like, ah, I'm glad you brought that up because I've always heard about you. From B Rob, they were like, "Why well, I've never had him on my podcast? That would make perfect sense." <laughs> oh man, man! Thank sh- shout out to B Rob. He always uh, looking out, putting Definitely. people on to me. You know, Definitely, so. man. And your music, your music. You've been doing music for a minute, and it's great stuff, man. And you're working on a new project now. So, before, people who've listened to the intro to the podcast, they've heard a little bit of the song. So, what is it like working on a new project now? To start off with that first, let's get to that out the way. Uh, it's, it's fun because, um, this is like, I mean, I've been doing projects since I was 14. That's when I did like my first, like it was a group mixtape, but that's when I did my first one. And like when I was 17, I did my first, uh, solo mixtape, but it was, uh, it was like an album because it had original music. I was like, I, I just didn't want to, um, I just wanted to have my own songs. You know, I didn't want to rap over other people's beats. Yeah, and at, that's the time, at the time, you know, you had Wayne, he was just murdering everybody's beats. And I was a real big fan of Wayne back then, but I always enjoyed the way 50 did things. Like he, he would have, he would have a mix 
of original and like, you know, but I was like copying uh, Kanye mostly because his freshman adjustment mixtapes, you know, he had original songs that we would end up hearing on albums later. <laughs> like, so it was crazy, but. I remember that. Yeah. I want to yeah. say Through the Wire may have been one of those. The original yeah, version of the song. The original him, version. When he was actually rapping through, through with his mouth wired shut. Because yes. on the album version, he's not. That's correct. For those who don't know, he's not rapping with his mouth wired shut. He, he re-recorded it. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, when I was 17, I did I did that, and I was going crazy on MySpace, and I would come to school with a bunch of CDs, like, here, you get it to just pass them out for free. You know, and then all the people who had those CDs, they would go tell their friends, like, can you make me two more CDs? Yeah. So, like, you know, so um, I've been doing this for a while. I'd say this one is a lot more, it's a lot easier because like I have all this experience and I know exactly what I want and I could execute it. This is the first time I've been been able to hear something in my head and put it down exactly how it sounds in my head. And then the process of this one, like my last album, He Eats With Wolves, it's a huge collaborative effort between myself, my my dad, my friends, you know, everybody who's at the house recording verses, you know, we's all going to different studios and, you know, but this one, it's a very isolated situation. So I'm like isolated with my own thoughts, with my ideas. Like I'm still asking advice. I'm still like, hey, what you think of this? What you? But like, it's really, you know, self-contained and you know it's world building it's adding on to what i've already have out a lot of information that i got you know doing music from that young of an age all the way to now and now i could apply it and be confident in myself and not have to lean on my dad rest in peace you know i still lean on him because i'm still like getting ideas from him through his music that he put out and stuff. And uh, but yeah, this, this the process is really fun. I, I enjoy this. It's very free and like, yo, like I'm really doing it. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this since you mentioned it. You said you worked on music with your dad. What what was that like? And who was your dad so your, people could check out your dad's stuff? I think that's also very important. All right, let me see. Like, I got one of his records over here. So my dad. Like, so the label that owns this stuff, they don't put the stuff out on Spotify or anything. So you're not really going to be able to, you got to like. Look for track it. Down, track down when it's, you got to go to a shop and just be happy. So, so lucky to get, get one. But um, there's a few like bootlegs on YouTube that I found of his stuff. I'll, I'll send the link. But, um. But yeah, working with my dad was like amazing because he's from a whole different era than me. He, you know, his music knowledge is was way above mine because he's a musician's musician. Like he played everything, you know, there's no sampling, there's no um, computers, there's no drum machines. Like they had to go in there, sing every part. There's no melodyne. There was no uh, auto-tune or anything. So they would have to do take after take. They were recording on... Um, what is it? I have, yeah, I have that. 
on real to real. Oh, real to real. That's oh. This is this is one of their uh wow. right here. I haven't seen one of those in a minute. So like and um he he recorded he was a part of a he recorded secular we call it secular music but he was a part of a gospel quartet group and um you know and also he was like a session musician as well and he was a producer too so he was making music when we didn't have he didn't they didn't have all the stuff that i have access to so like we'd be i just be bring i'll bring my computer with him and then I'll have my little setup or whatever. And he'd be like, what? You could record that like that? And just plug it. Like, what? You could, you know, like he, cause he still, like when he recorded his music, he went, he still went to the same uh, old studio in Pasadena. Not old. He had, he has all the technology, but he liked to record it. Like how he did it in the eighties, you know, like <laughs> that's how he said, but yeah, you know, so, but he found out that, you don't really need to go to the studio like that anymore. So he was just amazed with that. So we would just record a bunch of demos and like his ideas and like playing guitar riffs and just hours and hours. Like it, it was a, a joy, you know, cause uh, during that time he was really sick and he was, you know, he was, it was almost time for him to pass away. And uh, so that's all we did. Like we just sat with each other and played music and, um, even from when I was a little boy, I always saw him perform. Actually, I like the first performance I ever saw of him is this show. I don't know, you might be too young still too to remember shit. But there's this show called Big Break. I was I was too young still. Too. But uh he was on that show. I remember that show. It was Thank on me. Fox. It was on Fox. It was before before uh what's that show? American Idol. And uh, it was like, it was the same kind of format set up. And uh, he, it was like a band battle between my dad's band and uh, this, this uh, controversial artist named R. Kelly. And uh, uh, his, his, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, his, his group won. And then, you know, and it's just cool because we used to have the I need to find that tape because I can't find it online anywhere but my dad had a lot he mentored a lot of people like my god brother he's the one who got him into music and he and he ended up having a Grammy award-winning career as a engineer and now he's just road managing and then my um cousin ended up working with Nate Dogg going the death row route and stuff like that so like there's a lot of like I was, I grew up very privileged to have my dad, you know, and my cousins and relatives because the music is just so rich and stuff. So it was like, essentially, like, you grew up in a musical family. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, so for my dad to think I was cool, like, because my dad, he would always tease me. He like Drake would come on. You see, you need to sing. You need to sing more. You need to, you know, start harmonizing. You need to start doing your because me- look. That's that's forever. You can't get in. He and then like I remember we would listen to to Pippa Butterfly on the way to the studio, and every time Kendrick would say a lie, he would just crack up and he'd be like, "Yeah, that's my sh- right there. That's that old school pimp sh- <laughs> right there." Anderson <laughs> Pack, you know, those are some of his favorite. Uh, Lil Boosie, he like and uh, Dr. Dre, of course. He just like 
melody driven rap music. He liked that. And, you know, of course he liked rock and blues and gospel. He liked everything. So he would just pass, why don't you sample this? You know, and he wasn't elitist about it. He was very like, oh, that's what y'all do? Like, why don't you do this? Why don't you use that? You know? Well, well, let me ask you this, because I think you brought up something interesting with that. Have your dad's influence. Did it inspire you to make the song Girls Love Blue? Because the sound of it sounds in that Drake kind of soulful feel to it. And there's like beat transitions and progressions in the song if you listen to the whole song and things like that. And it's very different than the stuff that you've made previously. Yeah, that's exact. It's like right now, I'm like wish fulfillment for my pops, you know, like all the stuff he wished me that I, that uh, he wanted me to do, like, oh, you should do this. You should do. I, I remember it all. Like there's even a song that I, my next single, like I'm doing like pretty much, uh, was it Parliament, Parliament Funkadelic? And like, it's crazy. Cause oh, even, cool. even on the record, I'm listening to my vocal. And I'm like, that sounds like my dad. I'm sounding like him on songs now. It's crazy. But um, yeah, it's Girls Love Blue is his influence for sure, hands down. I I, I noticed as soon as I heard it, because when I listened to it, I'm like, oh, this sounds vastly different than your other stuff. Like I listened to the Bullet Club song and stuff like that. And some of the other songs, um I can't remember the song. It's called um shoot, I can't remember the song. It's um Probably Bless You, maybe. I heard Bless You, but it's another one. That, I think it's John Hughes. Oh, John Singleton. John uh, Singleton. There uh, we go. Rock. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that song a lot. That song's dope. So when I got the Girls Love Blue, like, this is very different, but I like it a lot. It doesn't... A lot of times when you have rappers who rapidly rap, as I like to say sometimes... <laughs> yeah, I use that. And, and they try to make a commercial song, it don't sound right. It sounds like something manufactured. Yeah, I think what I think why it worked for me is because that's the type of stuff I grew up on. Like stuff like that. That's my influence. Like that's like I grew up because like at church, when I go to church, you know, uh, because I grew up seven at Venice. So there's a lot of black celebrity musicians who are in that church. So you see Brian McKnight. Oh, that's dope. You know, you see Take Six. Uh, you know, if you go to AY, you see Stevie Mackey performing. You see Shalea Frazier. So that smooth, crooning, you know, harmonies and shit, like that's what I grew up on. You know, of course, with my dad too. But like, that's my fluence. So like right now, and I'm kind of like sneaking in all the the black seven-day Adventist shit. Like I'm kind of like, I'm pipping y'all to AY, like, cause like <laughs> by the time I'm done, like the like the AY, I'm gonna have an album called AY, and that's that's just the sound. Like I'm really trying to, I'm just more in tune with how I grew up now, you know. So like it's gonna sound like that, and it's not forced. This is just what's come. That's that's Girls Love Blue. I could have had that last album. I would just scrap that. Because I was like, no, I need to prove to people I can rap. <laughs> like, uh, well, I know you, you you described it vividly and 
eloquently on B Rob's podcast. If you want, if people are listening to this right now, listen to B Rob's podcast to get how he describes. But give a short synopsis of what Girls Love Blue is and the concept of it. Yeah, so um, the the obsession with the color blue and how it's presented as masculine uh, is something that when I was in school still, when I was taking sociology and, and for whatever reason, my intro to advertisement class was the same day. So I was getting bombarded by the same information twice, you know, because that's pretty much what advertisement is. It's sociology. But um, so like the color blue was originally for girls. But uh, that's how, well, that's how it was originally advertised. I'll say that because I don't know, like, where beyond that, I don't know where it came from. But then, like, after World War II uh, and after women was in, introduced into the workforce and they had the blue, you remember the pictures of them working in World War II building all this stuff? Yes, and they show, so, like, the picture of the girl with the short her muscles and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, after that, there was a conscious effort to have women wear pink because pink used to be for boys boys used to it used because it, it's it's a shade it's it's technically a shade of red and it's more masculine and so then, cameron was right cameron was definitely right cameron was definitely right but um so there's this movie called funny face and there's this campaign on it called think pink where they tell them throw away your blue throw away that throw away that just wear pink and and so, like, that always was stuck in my head. And then fast forward to 2018, my friends, uh, Deja and David, they're, they're film people, and they were working on a short, uh, and uh, it was called Seeping Blue. And uh, when they told me about it, we were doing a photo shoot for, you know, my press photos, and they had the blue light playing, and uh, I had a song playing, and I was like, huh, that sounds blue. I was like, yeah, it does sound blue. And then we got in this discussion about synesthesia. And I was like, do you have it? Do you have it? And I was like, I think everybody has it technically. But we all agreed that the song sounded blue. And then they told me the movie, they was like, would you be down to do it? And I was like, hell fucking yes, I'll do it. And so the movie surrounded is the synopsis of the movie is about a woman who works at a suicide prevention hotline. And she has a regular recurring caller. So, and they have these back and forth conversations. And like, to me, it felt like a sci-fi movie <laughs> because it's surrounded around technology, which is a phone. And uh, the title of it, Seeping Blue, it just struck me. So I was like, I'm going to try to make every single piece of music that I put on here blue. And I feel like I got close enough and when we saw the movie on the big screen, it was like, wow. And that changed my production style forever. And so um Is that later, movie out now? Uh no, they didn't they haven't released it. They haven't released it. We I think uh if you go on their website, it's they say if you request it, they'll send you the link. Okay, so yeah, we gotta put that in the link so people can check that out as well. Here at least hear your soundtrack to it if they watch it. Yeah, I think that'd be dope. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, so fast forward, I, you know, during that, also during that time, I saw, uh, what's that movie? Moonlight. And that quote, 
in the moonlight, black boys look blue. You're blue. I'm going to call you blue. Stuck with me. So when I took a hiatus because I had to take care of some health stuff, when I come back to music, uh, my friend, she asked me to produce some songs for some, like, you know, popular artists. And this is where I'm stuck because at that time, my, my, all of my sounds on my hard drive got stolen from in my sound bag. Shout out to Daniel. Also, listen to the B-Rob episode to hear the full story of that. Yeah. Random rap with Rob. This is a whole, like, ad for his show. <laughs> that, that's fine. <laughs> no, but yeah. Yeah, so, like, I'm sitting. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I try to uh, sample, uh, redo uh, that Busta Rhymes. <laughs> Yeah, that one. And I can't figure it out. Like, it sounds corny and cheesy. And then I I just go get on this one song uh, by Dorothy Moore. And I flip it because everybody sampled this. But there's this part that nobody sampled. And I flip it. And I'm like, boom, I'm going to have this pop rapper rap over this sample heavy beat. And then I get a little settled and I start feeling myself. And I'm making, like all these beats, I make uh, the Footprints beat. I make uh, another beat that you'll probably hear later. Like, And then I make girl the beat for Girls Love Blue. And, oh, go I ahead. I don't know if people know this, because I used to do a little music back in the day. Sampling, people think it's easy. It is not easy. It is very hard to find samples that work for rapping particularly and to make it work in a rap song and to find something that somebody else hasn't used or discovered yet. Yeah. It's a process. It, it, it man, for, it's because you're, you're recomposing it. You're taking it out of context and putting it in a different context. Like it's really, it's really fun. It's really fun. If you like puzzles, like you'll love sampling. Uh, but, but yeah, so, I make the beat for Girls Love Blue and I don't think anything of it. I don't think it's a special beat or anything. And I send it, but the pandemic happens and all the rappers don't want to rap no more. So, so. Very true. I remember that. That's just over with. So like I'm sitting on the beat and then I'm listening to him and I'm like, you know, I'm going to rap to this one. And my little sister was getting on me. Man, you need to make some, you know, some make a shake the ass too, man. You need to, you need to talk to him a little, you know. Put some game in it, you know. Like, stop playing. And tell tell like, her brother the house was swagger. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, all right. So I make that, and then my homeboy, uh, 20K, who's featured on the song, he's like, "Yo, what are you working on, man? Send me some shit." And I send him an idea. He doesn't like it. He's like, "Send me something else." And I send him like a tape of beat. Like, a, it's not a beat tape. It's all an email, but it's like like twenty some beats. He picks the girls love blue beat. And, uh, you know, uh, what, man, like he, he plays around with it. He sends back that chocolate covered roses part. That chocolate cover. Like he sends that back. And I'm like, what, what the? F-? And I'm like, instantly, I hear the beat differently. I hear the song. Like, because before I was like, this is just a beat. It's dope, but I don't know what to do with it. Him doing that triggered me to write, you know, all those lyrics and like it, and also it made me think like, dang, I need a fly bar. And so like, I'm, I'm like 
for whatever reason, going back to my old songs that nobody will hear from like high school. And I find like that line, um, uh, hugging in cheap coats so it's easy to feel you. You in pain, I buy you Jimmy Choo, it's easy to heal you. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about back then. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I, wanna break, I wanna bring this up, cause I remember like when I used to do the thing, I remember writing rhymes, right? And then not want to repeat them in other songs and stuff. Cause you think like, oh, somebody already heard this. No, yeah. damn well, nobody's never heard it. Nobody's that. never heard it. <laughs> nobody's ever heard it. Nobody's ever heard it. That happens. That, that, it happens. It happens. Like, but you always want the fresh idea. That's you're obsessed with the, what's upcoming. So yeah, I, I wrote, I wrote two my verses, recorded them. I send it to him. He's like, nigga, that's you. Like, cause it's a new, this is a new swag. He not, I mean, like he saw me when I was in high school, but he not hearing that the high school version of me, like with this refined that knows how to mix, that knows what to do in production. But, um, and we were having a hard time with that hook. And then uh, I was at work and I let my coworker hear it. I was like, we just don't have a hook. And he just said, what if you said? Like, ooh, I'm dying. It, like it was just, I was like, huh. And I just wrote, baby, I'm dying. Don't get me lying. Maybe you should like it just came. It works. And then, yeah. And then uh I sent it to uh also I sent it to my friend uh Noriella, like Norella. She's from the, she's in the UK and I asked her, can she uh narrate my whole album pretty much? And so that was like out of context, her like intro in the moonlight, black girls turn blue is fly, but when you hear it in context. It's even like, oh, <laughs> you know, so. That's a brilliant idea, by the way. She's hey, oh, Derek, my whole album. That's a brilliant idea. Props to you on that. Thank you. Thank you. Because you just can't, you just have to have something cool in it. Because I miss skits, but I didn't want to do skits. So uh, that that's the route we're going to. Because it sounds like a, because the album is uh, super inspired by Black Mirror anyway. So like very, uh the serial storytelling process of like uh, everything's not connected within the same universe is really cool to me. So like she, she put the universe together. <laughs> Let me ask you this. One of the coolest things I've noticed about this song in particular that you don't see with a lot of indie hip hop artists. That's a freaking video. <laughs> like you don't see indie rappers making videos. And if they make a video, it's always the same video where everybody got a stack of money around them and a bunch of guns and they point them <laughs> at the camera. <laughs> like, this is not that. I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty well, cool. Well, God had blessed me to have film friends, like people who want to be filmmakers in my life. So I have my friend Warren. He's done like, he's been doing videos for me since we were, you know, first starting and, you have Deja and David, they're like mega start. They already blew up, you know, <laughs> they out of here. And then you have, you know, Paul, my bro, like the, all these guys are super talented. You got Barrington, like th these, these kids, they're just around. And uh, Chris, he's the one who did this video and same same situation with 20k he was like yo what you working on i want to shoot something i was like and i sent them the link to my album and he's like yo you got a video for this one i was like yeah i got something for that one already it's like what about this one 
girls love blue. He's like, bet, say no more. I'm going to do this. So there, there's two versions of me as a creative person. I'm either super hands-on and a dictator or I'm super hands-off and do whatever you want. So with this one, I was super hands-off and I was like, bro, it's in your hands. Like, go, go for it. And the hook wasn't done at that time. And uh, he sent me the rough cut of the video and I watched it. I was like, oh shit, this shit hard. I was like, damn, you know, and uh, I, what I wanted to do was change the tempo. I wanted to go faster. He's like, no, 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 no tempo change, bro. Because the girls like skating to it. And I was like, say no more. That's all I need. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It, it, the vibe of the video fits it very well. Yeah. Got, got yeah. the pretty girl skating. I like it. It's yeah. no guns. Point it at the camera. Because <laughs> yeah, like the idea of what you doing. When you do a music video, the original idea is it's an advertisement for you to buy the song. So nowadays, people don't look at it like that. They look at it as, oh, it's the video. It is the big thing. But like that's why the video is the way it is. And dude is, oh, he's go, he goes by aesthetics. And he, my bad. I called him. He's really, uh, but the dude, kid is brilliant. Like he, he understands like that. This is advertisement. Because when I looked, I was like, damn, this is like a commercial. This is like, and he's like, yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, I, like to me, that's that's one of my favorite music. I, I like that video a lot. Yeah, it's I like it a lot in, in a generation where we don't really get that many music videos because everybody's on Spotify and stuff like that. It's cool to see one that's actually creative and interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely uh I definitely want to like have way more videos. Like I just wish somebody would just rain down a huge budget. <laughs> <laughs> like Fair you on that. uh <laughs> Sony Warner <coughs> Universal. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> let, let me ask you this. I know the album. You're you're almost done with the album, aren't you? I'm done. I'm actually done. So there we go. I feel like this is now the time for marketing and promotion and stuff like that. But how long do you think it's going to be before we actually see this album? Before we before we even get a second single? Because the first single was dope. Oh, the second was, single. We coming right back outside. The okay. second single on the way. I'm already doing the cover art for it. The video, we're going to take a little time. It might take a little time, but but uh, the video is going to come come shortly after. But I'm already doing the working on the cover art. We already mixing it and figuring everything out, figuring out like the posts and like how we gonna push it out and everything. So I, I so. like it because Girls Love Blue seems like a really good summer song. So I don't know if and you could probably give a little hint on it or not, if this album's gonna feel like a summer album or is just this song a summer song. And the album's gonna feel more like a fall album. If you know what I mean by fall album. Fall album's gonna yeah, yeah. have that more of a street feel to it sometimes. Yeah. Sit in the house, bob your head type music to it. See, the thing is the way the way I made it, you're gonna feel all the seasons because it's it's made in that uh what is that storytelling format? 
Twilight Zone, the Twilight Zone, um, Black Mirror. Um, that's um, uh, what does they call that? Where, where the, where everything, everything stands on its own. Every episode is standalone. I can't remember now. But Shoot. yeah, you you know what I mean. But so, just imagine, picture the album as a universe, as a working universe, our world. Let's make smaller scale, a world, or even anthology. a city. anthology. Yes, it's, that's what it's called, an anthology. Let's just say, no, let's do smaller scale, a city. Let's say it's East Compton, right? So there's like hundreds of, thou- hundreds of thousands, maybe not hundreds of thousands, maybe lower than that, but there's like thousands of people that live in the city. So like one song, the camera's focused on this guy over here, and then it zooms out as he's, that song's finishing, and then it focuses on this young kid over here. Now, the continuity comes in because the city feels like the city. So it's still the city. It's just we're focused on different characters at a time. So the album is different emotions at a time. And like the thing about this album is half of it was made before my hiatus when I had to go handle my health. And the other half is made after it. So we we even get more layers of feelings and vibes. It's like it's really it's really cool. It's really cool. I really enjoy it, and it it all works and mesh together. I know it sounds like it's scattered, but it's not. When you hear it, everything still sounds crispy and intentional and locked in and focused. But it's just I just wanted to do something where I didn't storytell because I feel like those type of albums you kind of get locked in so hard to just want, no, I got like, why don't we just tell multiple stories? Like, so like, just look at it this way. Every song could be a lead single to another person's album. That's like how, and I'm not saying that, Oh, I'm the shit. Cause it, the songs could be whack to people, but I, it's intense. Like every song got that attention as it was an album. Let me ask you this. I, I like what you said so far. What is it looking like on features? Are, is there a lot of features on it? Is it memorable features? I know you mentioned on B-Rob show that B-Rob left you a voicemail that kind of in the album. And I think that's kind of dope. So what else can we expect from this album? Ah, oh, there's these minimal features. I think uh, Girls, yeah, Girls Love Blues. The Yeah, Girls Love Blues probably the way I got to think about it. Yeah, Girls Love Blue is the only one so far with a feature. You know, things could change. Like, I could be like, okay, oh, I like the way this person sounds. On this. But, but uh, yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's isolated. It's very isolated. But the thing about it, the reason why there's not much features is because, like, I'm an insane person and I have, like, mad different voices <laughs> On every song, <laughs> so it's like it's like you get the different artists or whatever. You know, uh, it's not like like it's it'll be missing anything because we still got B Rob, we still got Norella, we still got Twenty K, um, and that's it's enough. It's enough, okay. and then you have all my weird weird ass voices. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I know people are listening to this. They're probably going to be excited for the album. But I know, I also know this. There's other albums you have out there that people haven't heard yet. Oh, yeah. So, out of those albums, which is the one that you recommend them, them checking out right now that they can go check out immediately and listen to to get a feel for your style, your flow, and what you're doing to get ready for this album coming out probably like I said in the yeah, uh, he Easter Wars. Go check that one out. That's the one where you know it's heavy collaboration. Uh, my pops helped helped a lot on there uh, with that album too. That's another thing. I was making three other albums while working on that album, so I was like producing on uh fy's album i was producing on uh d-rock the men is his album i was producing on lady t difference album you know so like it's all like a big melting pot and it's a very la album without being having all the la tropes all the stereotypes and and the uh cliches of la so like it's a really good it's a really good solid project all right, so go check that out. For my wrestling fans, check out the Bullet Club song. Oh, yeah. Really dope. Really dope that's song. Still, that's still my biggest song. That's still the biggest song, man. For yeah, my nerds day. out there, check out Fin the Human song. Oh, yeah. That's a really dope one as well. So those are just two of my suggestions. So final question before we go. Who is your dream collab that you want to have on one of your projects? Just one? Oh, oh, anyone, as many as you want. Who, Who's the guys or the girls you want to have on your project? Like, if you could put anybody on this next album, who would you put on it? So, uh, Susan Rogers. I want to I wanna bring her out of retirement to help mix my album. Uh, for real production, John Bryan production, uh, Ludwig Garrison production, uh, DJ Quick, probably. Um... Wait, who else? There's somebody I'm forgetting. There's some further. Battlecat. Oh man, Battlecat be cold too. Battlecat be cold too. Uh then rappers. Uh I really want to work with all the girls. Like I feel like they are killing it. Like they are I agree. They like Megan, Cardi B, uh Flo Millie, uh uh Big Lotto, uh all of them. They're they're like really dope. Uh, I like all of them. Even Corey LeRae. I made a beat yesterday. I was like, oh man, she'll sound crazy on that. Uh, but yeah, for a dream album, just for a dream album, let's have John Bryan. Let's have For Real. Let's have myself. Let's have Kay Trinata. That's who. Kay Trinata. Kay Trinata. Okay. And uh, Susan Rogers mixing. Uh, and I need a song with Kendrick Lamar. Because it's just like ridiculous. Like he's he's the best. And then there's a cool little story we could tell because he's from the west side. I'm from the east side. He went to school to Centennial. If you walk a couple blocks up, there's this Seventh Day Adventist private school that I went to. You know, it's just and we never and we have like like uh, a s- lot of common friends, but we've never bumped in each other. So like. You know, he's probably into Tam's Louis Burgers over here. Louis Burgers is better. I don't care what anybody says. But, you know, there's just, I'm into, what I'm into as an artist is stories, you know, not necessarily the song being a story, but just, oh, this this makes sense because 
our our paths need to cross because of the story involved between the two people, you know. So yeah, that that in um uh what's her name? Singer. Jesus Christ. PJ Morton, Daniel Caesar. Uh what is her name? I can't think of the young what's his name right now. This is embarrassing. But uh of Brandy too, like I want to work with mad people, uh, a lot of people, but we're gonna see. You gotta the story's gotta match up. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that. So we definitely gotta have you back on when the album comes out to talk about the album and stuff like that. This has been a blast, brother. Oh man, thank you, thank you, thank you. Sorry about the time mix up earlier. Don't worry man. about it, brother. Oh, man. Let, let them know where to find you at. Uh, you could go to sirjohnlee.com. That's S-I-R-J-O-N-L-E-E.com. And you can find everything, all my music, all my um, videos, the links to all my social medias. You know, you get, it's the landing page for everything that I got going on. So go check that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Just go check some of his stuff out. And, you know, if you got Spotify, you got iTunes, you can go listen to the albums with your subscription. So definitely do that. Support indie artists because they need it, man. Like, it's important. It is dope. John Lee makes dope music, so support him. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. As always, Delvin Cox Experience, we are out. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Delvin Cox Experience. If you like more content, go on patreon.com slash the Delvin Cox Experience. There, There is more exclusive podcasts, including I'm the podcaster, he's the DJ, that is the hip-hop podcast I do with Mr. Tim Hines, as well as the Boondocks, which is a Boondocks review show I do with my son, Delvin Jr. With that being said, I want to give a special shout-out to Patreon producers, Shirley Walker, Ghost Rider UK, and Mikey Famine. Thank you. God bless. Yeah. Punch Delvin in the face. Hashtag dot com.